I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed. Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien. Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. All right, here we are for book two, chapter book two. Book two, chapter yeah. two, Council of Elrond. Did I write that or did one of you put that I in? I have no idea. It wasn't me, so probably you in your dreams. Great. I don't remember doing that. I'm Yesterday me is real smart. Uh, yeah. Council of Elrond. Um, the chapter in which we finally have met all of the fellowship, but they still have not been brought together because Tolkien likes to keep us on a thread. Yeah. On a string. On a... Something. I feel like on the I'm edge of a, knife. a phrase here, but I, I don't know what. It's going to be a real good one, guys. There's an idiom that we can't string together there yeah all right you guys you guys take it take it away awesome so we have a ton of characters for this chapter um the first obviously is frodo son of drogo the ring bearer who we have been following this entire book and then we have samwise um my favorite hobbit who sneaks into the secret council of elrond bilbo who was the ring finder gets to attend this council as well we have gandalf our favorite wizard Elrond, um, an elf who has lived through most of Middle-earth's history, I would say. Aragorn, who is the heir to Isildur. Boromir, who is son of Denethor, who is the steward of Gondor. We get Legolas introduced here, the son of Than... Oh, God. Thranduil? <laughs> no. Yes. There you go. No, that was good. Okay. The son of Legolas Lee Pace's eyebrows. Thranduil, who is the best elf in the world. And we have Gimli, son of Gloin. And Gloin is a dwarf from Erebor, who we remember from The Hobbit. And then we have Glorfindel, who once upon a time lent Frodo his horse. Uh, We also have a bunch of other people we get brief mention of, but don't really matter. We have Galdor, who is an elf from the Grey Havens. We have Aristor, an elf from Rivendell, uh, the advisor to Elrond. We have Thranduil, the elf king in Mirkwood. Uh, it's interesting because this is when we actually get his name uh, throughout The Hobbit. He was simply the Elf King in Mirkwood. Uh, we also hear mention of Balin, Ori, and Oin, dwarves from The Hobbit, who are most noted as having gone missing. We have a mention, again, of Gwaihir, the Lord of Eagles, and Shadowfax, some some horse, you know, lord from the dawn of time or whatever. Gives Gandalf Yay! a ride, maybe. He's back! No. Shh. I mean, this is the first time we've I met know. him. Well, Ever. technically, if he was there at the dawn of time, but yes. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, I also forgot to put down uh, Dane. We see a bunch of the current king under the mountain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we hear more Sorry about, about dwarf stuff and whatever. Yeah. Dwarf stuff, south stuff. Things yeah. are happening in places where we are not. There's a lot of mentions in this. It is. It's like the minutes of this meeting were posted. For us to read. Except it's not minutes. It's like the hours of this meeting we're posting. <laughs> yeah. um, so for our short summary, actually, despite the breadth of what was covered, 
gets to be only one sentence. Frodo attends a meeting where the most important people in all of Middle-earth discuss the fate of the ring, and he is then forced to accept the fact that he may just be the most important person in Middle-earth. It's a very dramatic chapter. Or Frodo. So, for the long summary, it's going to be a little long here, because I, I tried to summarize where I got, I don't know, it was insane. But please feel free to interrupt, just to <laughs> okay. break things up, you know? I was going to say, did you put in a break to get tea? No, but I know, I, I know what I'm about. <laughs> I know when I need tea. <laughs> okay, so we start off with Frodo waking up feeling refreshed and more like himself than he has recently. Which is great, because his spirit is about to be crushed in the longest meeting of all time. Uh, a bell is rung to announce the start of the meeting, and Frodo is welcomed by Elrond and told to sit near him. Elrond introduces all the people there that Frodo didn't know, including an elf named Legolas, a dwarf named Gimli, and a human man named Boromir. These folks might be important. Maybe. Just a little. The meeting, at least the bits that Frodo cares about, starts off with Gloin talking about how many years ago, Balin, Ori, and Oin went to Moria, the ancient home of the dwarves, to try to resettle it. Gloin talks about the nameless fear that is in Moria and seems both reluctant to go there and yet wistful for it. The dwarves that went to Moria have not been heard from in some time, however. I wonder if this might come to mean something. Hmm. Seems significant. I I don't know. I think he's just talking nonsense here. (laughs) You know, I think Tolkien just wanted to put a little end cap on some of the dwarves from before, and these three have disappeared. A messenger had come to Erebor about a year ago from Mordor, offered friendship from Lord Sauron the Great to Dane. This friendship would include gifts of dwarf rings, presumably, you know, rings of the seven. Uh, The messenger asked after hobbits, knowing that some dwarves of Erebor had traveled with one. The messenger gave Dane an ultimatum that is mostly a threat, saying to give him information on the whereabouts of Bilbo, and if possible, to retrieve the ring, which he refers to as a little ring, the least of rings, for Sauron, and then sort of says, refuse, and things will not seem so well. Hmm. Very mysterious. Nice, Nice message there. Real, real kindly. And it doesn't really say it, but I suspect that this is the uh, the mouth of Sauron dude, mm-hmm. who's creepy as shit. Oh, yeah. The, God. the teeth man. The yeah. nightmare. Uh, Dane doesn't give an answer and says he must think on it. The messenger has returned a couple of times and says that they'll have to give an answer soon. Um, messengers have also been sent to King Brand of Dale and Gloin fears uh, Dale... Gloin fears that Brand might give in, which I find an interesting sort of thing to say here since the people of Dale are not descended from the Numenor men. They are just the Normies who either, you know, betrayed elves in the war or didn't get involved at all. And so therefore were never looked on as noble people. Because I don't like, if this was Gondor, I don't think they'd be afraid that they were going to give in but also they would if they knew gondor but yeah no i see what well, you yeah, mean yeah but that's it we do see the people of gondor and rohan get kind of involved in the shit but nobody's like afraid it's going to happen to them mm-hmm. so i think that's just interesting little classism there exactly yes we didn't talk about brandon the characters but he's like what's his face's bard's grandson yeah we got him last week 
Oh, we did mention him last week. You're right. Sorry, I forgot. Okay. Uh, Aaron tells Gloin that all the purpose of the enemy shall be made clear at this meeting and begins to tell the story of the ring. If you want to hear it, see episode Mumble Mumble. <laughs> Elrond tells of the forging of the Rings of Power and how Sauron forged in secret the One Ring in the Mountain of Fire to be their master. I do like the we idea of evil Dark Lord Elrond. <laughs> Don't we all? I mean, I do prefer evil Dark Lady Galadriel, but... Well, obviously. Um, we she deserves covered... her fucking comeuppance. We have covered most of this bit elsewhere uh, at the end of the Silmarillion. But just know that the three elvish rings were not mastered by the one ring. Uh, doo -doo -doo. He then goes over the first war with Sauron during the Second Age, which again, we have mostly covered this elsewhere during the end of the Silmarillion. Um, the important thing here is that Elrond lets slip how fucking old he is, and Frodo is shocked and awed. Which is kind of the appropriate reaction. I apparently wanted to read a quote because I put a page number here. Oh. And then how Elrond is all, but my memory reaches back even to the Elder Days. Arendil was my sire, who was born in Gondolin before its fall, and my mother was Elwing, daughter of Dior, son of Luthien of Doriath. I've seen three here. ages in the west of the world, and many defeats, and many fruitless victories. This, this actually, this bit reminded me of something, because last chapter we introduced Arwen and talking mm -hmm. about, like, how she looks like um Luthien. Luthien, thank you. Wow. And you like think like, oh, there, you know, it's the significance. And then I realize, like, no, this is basically like saying you look like your great grandma. <laughs> yeah, there. Not that it hasn't been that long for elves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the ge the genetic pool has not been diluted very much. Not like it has for Aragorn. Yeah. Who is also a descendant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get into that now. But uh, the, Elrond goes on to sort of talk about how the splendor of this great battle reminded him of the battle at Thangorodrim, and it was just a good bringing everything together. That, I guess, Elrond is the missing link for all three ages. Elrond then goes over the specifics of how Isildur used the broken narsal to cut the ring, and how Elrond and Gilgalad told him to throw it into Mount Doom, um, but Isildur decided to keep it, and then very quickly died. Gilgalad also died. Maybe everyone maybe died. Maybe I got some timing there mixed up, whatever, it's fine. Uh, Elrond then talks about how since the ring was not destroyed, the enemy was not completely wiped out, and the great kingdoms of the Numenorean men quickly or slowly, depends which one you're in, fell into ruin as men became lesser. And now there's really only Minas Tirith left of the great cities. Yep. Elrond then says he will pass the rest of the tale of the ring onto others because they know it better. But before that can happen, Boromir immediately stands up with a whole not all Gondorian speech about how they are indeed <laughs> still noble men of Numenor and have been doing great deeds to keep everyone safe. And uh, he sort of mentions some of the things that they've done and says, and thus alone are peace and freedom maintained. Sort of implying that everybody here would be dead if it weren't for Gondor. Or implying that only Gondor has been keeping back the enemy which hmm. I think is unfair and 
so do others. Anyways, he does tell how they have experienced Mordor gaining in power recently and smoke rising from Mount Doom once again, and they've had to give up Osgiliath, which used to be Gondor's capital city, basically, to the enemy and had to collapse bridges, and they all sort of narrowly escaped with their lives. After this loss, Boromir's brother started having a recurring dream, and Boromir had the dream once. And I am going to read the riddle from the dream. Uh, I'll just start here. In that dream, I thought the eastern sky grew dark and there was a growing thunder. But in the west, a pale light lingered, and out of it I heard a voice, remote but clear, crying, Seek for the sword that was broken. In Imladris it dwells. There shall be councils there shall be councils taken, stronger than Morgul spells. There shall be shown a token that doom is near at hand, for Isildur's bane shall waken, and the halfling forth shall stand. Uh, dang. I'm sorry, Ang? I said dang. Oh, dang. I was like, what Ang, is, yes, what I'm going to bring Avatar into this. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how. Boromir uh, asked his dad about this, who said only that Imladris is a name for Rivendell. So Boromir came to Rivendell, and it took him 110 days. I like that specific. I like that this is a riddle that we actually get, like, we know all the pieces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? We, like, we know everything about this. We can see that and instantly be like, yes, I know this and this and this. That is an interesting point, because it doesn't happen too often in stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Even, like, we know when we get the verses about Aragorn that Bilbo wrote, we know what it's about. But even at, at the time in the structure, you don't know most of that. You don't really know who Aragorn is yet. Right. But even, like, like hearing this riddle, Frodo knows whatever, mm-hmm. everything that's in that riddle more so right. than... We and the people in, in story. Yeah. It's only Boromir who is... Which I guess 110 days ago, we wouldn't have known, but... <laughs> <laughs> But I well, Gimli and Legolas wouldn't know everything either, although mm-hmm. Legolas more than most. Presumably, that might actually I might just be assuming from movie canon. Anyways, let's move on. Yep. In his very dramatic manner, Aragorn then stands up and says, "And here is the blade that was broken." <laughs> and trust no <laughs> broken sword. Such a drama queen. I love it. And then Boromir is all. Who the heck is this, and why does he have this blade? And Elrond explains that he is indeed the descendant of Isildur, and he is chief of the Dúnedain in the north, and therefore, of course, the heir to the throne of Gondor, Boromir's king. But mm-hmm. Frodo feels that this means the ring belongs to Aragorn and has this little freak out about it, but Aragorn wisely says that it belongs to neither of them, and Frodo is only holding it for a while. This, of course, prompts Elrond to tell Frodo to show everyone the ring, which Frodo does. He holds it up for everyone to see, which sounds like really dramatic in the book, but must be like very anticlimactic in person. <laughs> like, yeah. here's this dude holding up a gold ring because he doesn't like yep. put it in the center like in the movie. He just sort of like, yeah, I got this ring here. Yep, It's just a circle Look of at gold it in my hand. You can maybe see it from across the way. And then uh, Aragorn and Boromir get into a bit of a discussion about whether the sword of Elendil returning to Gondor would be good for Gondor. And Boromir looks at Aragorn with such doubt in his eyes that Bilbo feels he must defend his friend by reciting poetry. <laughs> and he jumps to his feet 
and recites everybody's favorite poem. Have we done the whole poem yet? In a previous, oh, I think I think so. But do it again. Okay. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadow shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. It's like a cabinet battle. Elvish edition. <laughs> I just love this. That Bilbo was so insulted and just really wanted to defend his friend that he just he was moved to poetry. It's I, pretty funny. I love this this little glimpse into Bilbo and Aragorn's friendship that we get because right? they're so great. We're such good friends. And almost directly after that, Bilbo says to Frodo that he almost wishes that his adventures were not over and he could go with Aragorn and and like see him renewed as king of Gondor. And it's just so great. And he's so supportive. I love Bilbo. I just I had this really sad thought Mm -hmm. of like the two of them bonding over having like extended lives. Mm. Wow, yeah, that is a sad thought. Older than they really should be, and I guess, but all like, that goes with it. They're both currently mm. living with elves, so I think, relatively speaking, they're very young. But like, they have this this shared context of like the extended but not true elven immortality. That's true. That's true. Anyway, Aragorn says that he he understands Boromir's doubt, but also goes on to say that the Rangers of the North have done their fair share of keeping servants of the enemy at bay. It hasn't been all Gondor, but he also proclaims that the sword shall be reforged and he will go to Gondor. Yeah! Woo! Uh, Boromir then expresses doubt that the ring Frodo is holding is a Sildur's bane, and he wonders how the ring came to be in Frodo's possession. Elrond says that story will be told. Bilbo then pipes up that they should definitely have some food first, but Elrond takes this as a good opportunity to invite Bilbo to tell his story of the ring. <laughs> no food huh. for Bilbo. No. Poor Bilbo. Um, Bilbo does so, and he sort of, he recounts basically The Hobbit, but he does so in such a way that it reconciles the original version of The Hobbit with the edited version, and says that he lied about the ring to some because he was sort of ashamed about how it all went down or not ashamed but he wanted uh no doubt of his possession of the ring and really the only person there who cares about that is Gwyn because Gwyn's the only one there who would have heard his original version then Frodo uh recounts his journey with the ring which we have just gone over in our previous episode so no need to do that here (laughs) And afterwards says that he feels the story is incomplete and he most especially wants to hear what happened to Gandalf. Uh, Gandalf then recounts things we went over in the Silmarillion, that the necromancer from Dol Guldur was Sauron, uh, the two hunts he went on for Gollum, uh, the second with Aragorn, how he discovered the heating the One Ring would reveal the words in black speech, which uh, does somebody want to try reading? Oh, God. (laughs) I said, I ashnaj durba tuluk. Ashnaj gimbatul. Ashnaj thraka tuluk. Ash borzum ishi krimpatul. I actually recommend on the extended editions um, in the special features 
uh, shit, my brain just blanked. Saruman, the actor. Um, Christopher yeah, Lee? Christopher Lee. Yes, thank you. Uh, he just, like, says it from memory and mm-hmm. in his great voice, and that's probably the best reading of this ever. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his voice, and he just, he knew his shit, and it was amazing. Yeah. He is so good. Uh, I'm not going to try this one, because I only like to read Elvish. <laughs> Yeah, and Rachel anyway. just did a fabulous job. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it is told how Aragorn eventually did catch Gollum, uh, got most of his story out of him, and has the great line: "He will never love me, I fear, for he bit me, and I was not gentle." <laughs> I love oh, <laughs> that's kind of sad, actually. I think it's hilarious. He's obviously saying this sarcastically. It's so good. Um, They did get out of him that the ring came out of the Great River, the Anduin, which where it was known that the One Ring had disappeared and was thought that the river had taken it out to the ocean. Well, made thought by Saruman, so who knows. Um, This, combined with the fire test that Gandalf performed, is sure proof that they have found the One Ring. It is also revealed that Gollum went to Mordor and then told them enough information that they would have an idea of where the ring was, um, which is how they found Frodo in the Shire. And since the ring race then followed Frodo almost to the doorstep, the enemy knows it is in Rivendell, which is why it can't just hang out there for a while. Uh, I love that the the things that are like proof it's the one ring are the river and the, you know, fire and it's like not the you know, general sense of evil that lays about it and the fact that all of the nine are coming after it. No, no, no. Like, really? <laughs> <The river. laughs> and everyone has been mystically summoned here to attend this meeting. Like, no one was invited. They're all just here. Those are good because points. Because circumstances through them. Like, no. <laughs> but I will say, like, the you know, Gandalf found the fire test before they could find Gollum and perform Oh, yeah. It. I mean, the fire test is good. Yeah. But the whole, like, oh, this, yeah, the river, totally, must be it. <laughs> uh, only one ring in the river. But also, the only person who seems to be needing convincing is Boromir, who... That's fair. Like, to, like, it would be easy to say that he's being a jerk, but I don't think he is. He's just the one who showed up with the least amount of information. Mm-hmm. You know? So... And this yeah. is a ring that's been missing for 5,000 years. So mm-hmm. I can understand being skeptical. I'm not a big fan of Boromir, but I know other people are, so I'm trying to be fair to him. (laughs) Um, Aragorn says they delivered Gollum to the elves in Mirkwood, who kept him imprisoned. Legolas then stands up and lets everyone know that Gollum has escaped. Thanks, Legolas. I think he says, alas, like three times. (laughs) (laughs) Alas, poor Yorick. Gandalf then tells how he was tricked into going to see Saruman the White instead of going straight back to Frodo after they finally found Gollum. Uh, Saruman lives in the Tower of Orthanc, and Gandalf went there and found that Saruman was having delusions of grandeur and had stopped being Saruman the White and was wearing now a cloak of all colors that kind of looked white if you looked at it out of the corner of your eye type of thing. And was, I, just, I love... <laughs> I don't know. how colors I, work. I love that Gandalf's, Gandalf's reply to this. It's just great. Cause it's just like, I like white better. Yeah, because Saruman is now calling himself <laughs> Saruman the Many Colored. Which... Yeah, like he, he's not like, he oh, really look at you and your pretensions. Top. Just like, no, I liked white better. But also like, Saruman the Many Colored just sounds dumb. Mm-hmm. 
It's like Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Right? Like, all the other wizards are laughing at Saruman. Anyway, Saruman also mentions that he wants to join forces with Sauron. You know, just mentions it. Whatever. As you do. <laughs> Gandalf says, that won't work. And Saruman imprisons him at the peak of the tower. Frodo then remembers his dream uh, that he had back, I think, while they were in Tom Bombadil's house. Uh, where he saw Gandalf at the top of the tower. but. Gandalf just sort of says, yep. And nobody talks about the fact that Frodo had this dream where he saw a true thing that was happening (laughs) elsewhere. And this bothers me. Well, and I think it was that, like, it was Frodo saw it after the thing happened with how the timing works, right? Either way. Gandalf implied that it was like, oh, it was already past then. And that was his way of shrugging it off. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't change things at all. Yeah, either way, that's insane. And nobody seems to care. That yeah. Frodo has these dreams, or has had I these mean, dreams. to be fair, they also just kind of shrugged off Boromir and Faramir having dreams, too. Prophetic dreams apparently don't merit any discussion. Okay. But where did they come from? Hey, true. What is world building? But Boromir and we have not met his brother yet. You can keep okay. that name to yourself, Rachel. Sorry, Boromir and his nameless brother. Who we don't actually know he even has. No, we know he has a brother, he just didn't name him. But he talked about his brother. Anyways, um, okay. I was going to say the dream that Boromir and his brother have are like very obviously a message from the West. Like there's a bad storm in the East, but look, some light from over there and a voice coming to us. And it, <laughs> you know, it called them to this meeting. But yeah. Frodo's dream didn't give him any information other than if he'd been paying attention, he would have known that Gandalf was alive. But like, what? Yeah. Anyways, we then have some good Deus Ex Eagle when uh, Gwai here comes by and rescues Gandalf and brings him to Rohan to get a swift horse because Rohan does not want to bring him. Nope, because Gwai here does not want to bring him all the way to the Shire or wherever. But with the stop in Rohan, we do learn some of the situation there that they pay a tribute of horses to Mordor, but nothing else. They haven't like formed. An alliance. It looks like they're just trying to keep them at bay. Uh, but they are very close to Orthanc, so Saruman may prove a problem for them. Gandalf mentions that he spoke to the king of Rohan and noticed that evil was already at work there. He was told to take a horse and leave. He took the best horse they had. Because why not? <laughs> um, well, they offered. Yeah. Sort of. I think the, the actual line is Shadowfax, who was fold, fouled? Fold? Fold. Fold. Whatever, I don't know, horses. Fold in the dawn of the world. Whatever that means. And he got Gandalf to the Shire in record time. Gandalf then traveled all over, retracing Frodo's steps, trying to find him. He tells of his encounter with the Nine at Weathertop and how he decided he couldn't wait for them after that and made his way to Rivendell, where they have now all met up. But there was a whole bunch of like near misses where they were almost in the same spot at the same time. Some really hilarious description of uh, Gandalf barely not roasting Barlam and Buddy Bar- yeah. Butterbur. Yeah. Isn't there a thing where he's like, I almost turned him into butter or something like that? Or melted yeah. him like butter? <laughs> um, I do want to say, like, while we're being gracious to Boromir, that for all his prickliness, when they're talking about, like, whether Rohan has fallen, um, he Boromir takes, like, immediate offense at this. He's like, he calls them what? I know the men of Rohan, true and valiant, are allies dwelling still in the lands that we gave them long ago. And it's like, 
talking about how much they love their horses and like they would not <laughs> right do this um and he just the, like the instinctive coming to their defense it's think, very sweet yeah i i like it because so often in the movies we kind of see them pitted against each other yeah like they definitely lay the groundwork for his loyalty very early which makes it more painful yeah, and he, he sort of doubts that they are giving their horses to Mordor, so maybe that's not mm-hmm. happening. I think it was I think it was Gwaihir who implied that Gandalf. Honestly, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous because I've read this chapter like four times now, including yeah. like well, and, yesterday. Yeah. And I think it might be more that they are, but it it's a sign of how unbelievable it is to Boromir that all all that has happened. And of course we don't know yet, but we know a little bit at least about um, the shadow that has befallen the men of Rohan. Yes. They do then discuss in much more uh, detail than I've gone into here uh, that maybe they should have invited this uh, Tom Bombadil to the meeting <laughs> since he seems to not be affected by the ring. But they sort of ultimately decide that he wouldn't have been much help. Gandalf gives Tom Bombadil the name of Yarwain. Yarwain? I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, and basically says that he wouldn't take the ring unless everybody begged him to. And then he would probably forget it or throw it away, as such things do not as such things have no hold on his mind. He would not be a good guardian. So that they sort of poo-poo that, but of course, maybe that's just what Tom wants them all to think. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Glorfindel then says, you know, just so folks don't forget about him, that they have two choices with the ring, to send it over the sea or destroy it. Elrond points out that they cannot destroy it and that they can't send it over the sea because the people there would not take it, for it belongs to Middle-earth. Ugh. Because... Which one of you people who made it? Yeah. It's your fault. (laughs) Like... Fuck the Valar, really. Anyways. Could have just kept your brother under wraps and... Like, you know what? Sauron is a... Not a Valar, but the lesser ones. Maiar. Maiar. So he technically comes from over there. So... That's it. That's just... And they could easily take care of him. Yep. They... Like, yeah. he is not even on their level. Come on. So Glorfindel then says, why don't they cast it into the sea? And it could join up with the Silmaril, as we have previously discussed. I'm sure that would end great for Elmo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gandalf doesn't like this plan, as the ring would not be lost forever. Because of, like, shifting land and blah 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 blah. Which completely calls into question what the Silmaril situation is then. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, one's under the ground and one's in the sea, so... I don't... Highly... I do like there's a great line of, like, you know, land has changed before, and you're like, yeah, that time, like, we literally made the Earth round, and we literally destroyed an island. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and we Like, we're not talking about erosion. No, we literally took away half the land here. <laughs> um, but then Gandalf has this really great line where he says, and it is not our part here to take thought only for a season or for a few lives of men. And I thought that was just interesting, because it it's a very pointed comment, probably then in the whenever Tolkien wrote this, but you can very much apply it to current events. Yep. And but I wouldn't think that talks about climate change at all. 
I mean, no, it's fine. I'm sure Tolkien didn't mean it that way, but the no, but part of a good writer applying, is trying yeah. is you know applying the same sentiment to mm-hmm. uh, every time. Uh, so Elrond has a good speech about the path they must take, which apparently I'm going to read. So somebody says that somebody's making a point about how if they can't hide it and they can't destroy it. Who's going to figure this out for us? And Sorry, just the way you just put that, it's like, if we can't go over it, <laughs> we can't go under it, we have to go through it. I hate you both. Um, so then Elrond <laughs> says, uh, none here can do so. At least none can foretell what will come to pass if we take this road or that. But it seems to me now clear which is the road that we must take. The westward road seems easiest, therefore it must be shunned. It will be watched. Too often the elves have fled that way. Now, at this last, we must take a hard road, a road unforeseen. There lies our hope, if hope it be, to walk into peril to Mordor. We must send the ring to the fire. I read that poorly, but it's a good, it's a good mm. speech. It's, it's such a good bit of self-awareness. Yeah. Because right? Elrond has seen so much of the elves staying away and now like the people are leaving and like he knows yeah and they also talk about how they don't want to draw the enemy to the gray havens mm-hmm. um because they may attack and destroy the gray havens which is currently the elves only way to the undying lands which is a little bit selfish of them but i understand why they you know don't want that destroyed also just like that in general they're gonna they're gonna track us, and there's nowhere for us to go out west besides hang out in the ocean. Yeah. We should build a flotilla. Well, the elves can go somewhere, but as it is said, the ring wouldn't be welcome with them. So just as it sounds like we're reaching the end of the chapter, more story is to be told. We hear about what has happened to the last dwarf ring that Thror had, and how it passed to Thrain, who had it on him when he died at Dolgaldor. I have absolutely no idea if it then says what Gandalf did with it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to take a look here. Yeah, no, it doesn't really say what happened. Hmm. Um, I guess is the implication that the enemy took it. Oh, maybe. Maybe I'm confluting. I don't think that's what I mean. Conflating. Like book and movie stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but... Gloin and the rest of the Erebor dwarves were hoping that that ring was in Moria. And it was one of the reasons they tried to resettle there to see if they could find it. But they're not going to, which honestly, that might be best for them. Especially since sending more dwarves to Moria might not be the best plan, considering there's a nameless fear. Boromir then wonders why they do not use the ring themselves. And Elrond explains that they would just be replacing one Dark Lord with another, and it just wouldn't really work out that well for Middle-earth. So after agreeing that destroying it is the way to go, Bilbo stands up and says that he understands that he started this, and he must see it to the end, and I love him so much. Mm-hmm. Bilbo is the best. It's so good. And he he brings up, he's like, oh, I, I'll do this, but I had just I had thought of an ending for my book. About him living happily ever afterwards to the end of his days. Aww. But he's like, nope, I won't do that. I'll go do this thing. Yeah, he's So he has a big speech, but it ends with, Now I shall have to alter that. It does not look like coming true. And anyway, there will evidently have to be several more chapters. 
if I live to write them. It is a frightful nuisance. When ought I to start? And then Boromir looked in surprise at Bilbo, but the laughter died on his lips when he saw that all the others regarded the old hobbit with grave respect. Only Gloin smiled, but his smile came from old memories. Mm. Bilbo deserves a hug for this. Yep. All of the hugs. kind of hurts. So Gandalf then basically says, no, 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 dude, it's fine. <laughs> You're just going to stay here. You're super old now. You've passed the ring on. We're good. Finish your book, my friend. And it's good. Although Bilbo does have a good line about how he's like, uh, you've never given me advice that I wanted before. <laughs> so maybe this is going to turn out poorly. <laughs> anyway, so then basically everyone, somebody says, so who should we send? And everybody just kind of looks at their feet, literally. <laughs> and it's so good. But then, you know, Frodo stands up and says, I will take the ring, though I do not know the way. <laughs> and then Elrond looks at him and says some stuff that I'm going to read. And I'm going to try not to tear up when I do it, because I did when I was reading it last night. If I understand aright all that I have heard, I think that this task is appointed for you, Frodo, and that if you do not find a way, no one will. This is the hour of the Shire folk, when they arise from their quiet fields to shake the towers and councils of the great, who of all the wise could have foreseen it. Or if they are wise, why should they expect to know it until the hour has struck? But it is a heavy burden, so heavy that none could lay it on another. I do not lay it on you, but if you take it freely, I will say that your choice is right. And though all the mighty elf friends of old, Hador and Huron and Turin and Baron himself were assembled together, your seat should be among them. <laughs> it's so good. And then Sam's going too. <laughs> That's it. That's our fellowship. We got two. <laughs> Yeah, just going to be Frodo and Sam, the rest of the book. Do you know yep. what? They'd be fine. That's what the people have always wanted anyways. <laughs> Frodo and Sam oh, forever. God, that line. It just gets me. Yeah. I don't even feel particularly emotional. Well, no, I do feel emotional about Frodo. Mm. But it, it, get, it gets me good. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. Uh, favorite bits. I wrote down a couple. I we mostly talked about, or I mostly talked about my favorites as we went, which is mm -hmm. obviously that entire last speech by Elrond is so good. Um, but there were just a couple other small things. Then I really mm -hmm. liked when uh, Gloin was recounting what was happening with Dane and the messenger. The messenger said, "You know, consider well, but not too long." And then Dane said, "The time of my thought is my own to spend." To which the messenger replied, for the present. And it's just such a good threat. And then I think, oh, I forget who Elrond was talking to for this line. I think it, it was Boromir. I could be wrong, though. When he says, there's not that you can do other than to resist, with hope or without it. And, or maybe it was to Gloin talking about resisting the enemy. And I just really love that line because I think it really sets up a lot of what this journey is about. You know, that whether or not you think we're going to succeed or not, all you can do is resist. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is just really, really good. Yep. And encapsulates a lot about why uh, Frodo is my favorite character. Um, I really liked, there was a whole passage when Saruman's talking about joining Sauron that was just like, 
a new power is rising against it. The old allies and policies will not avail us at all. Um, and talking about how it's like the only choice to join in and we'll, we'll keep our own council separately and, and, you know, ultimately come out on top. And it's like, um, we can bide our time. We can keep our thoughts in our hearts, deploring maybe evils done by the way, but approving the high and ultimate purpose, knowledge, rule, order. And it just, it's, it's such a fascist thing to say. Yeah. It's a really right. It's a really good look into Saruman's character and how he became mm-hmm. what he was, what he is, whatever. Yeah. But again, it's in the context of, you know, Tolkien fighting in the war. Yeah. Um, everything. It's like that's it. It's people who think they can work within the system of pure evil or work along with it for the benefit of all. It's very ends justify the means. Uh, but you're, of course, very explicitly not on his side. You're supposed to see it exposed for the falsehood that it is. Yeah. And of course, Saruman doesn't know that, like, it just wouldn't, it would never work. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that's interesting, too. I summed that yeah. all up with delusions of grandeur. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I also have a funny one, so okay. we can lighten up the tone a little bit, which was... um talking about when uh Gollum was brought to the dungeons yep. at Mirkwood and um but, but Gandalf bade us hope still for Gollum's cure and we had not the heart to keep him ever in dungeons under the earth where he would fall back into his his old black thoughts and Cloyne responds you were less tender to me <laughs> <laughs> and then Gandalf is like pray do not interrupt my good Cloyne that was a regrettable misunderstanding long set right if all the grievances that stand between elves and dwarves are to be brought up here we may as well abandon this council <laughs> <laughs> that was so good <laughs> and like Gandalf in a very wordy way just says I'm so done with all you guys' shit just <laughs> yep. stuff no one's got time for that yeah. That's good. The fourth age will come and go by the time way. I will I will say like the bit that gets me all teary eyed at the end there. Like if we hadn't read the Silmarillion, I would have no idea who these characters were or that the mm-hmm. elves held them in such esteem. True. Yeah. So this like the first times that I read this book, that line probably affected me not at all. Mm-hmm. But now that I know who these people are and what they've done and how they affected the outcome of the world. Having mm-hmm. Elrond, who knew some of these people, or at least as closely or related to them, or you know, timeline-wise, than anybody else there, tell this little hobbit that he is held in the same esteem is much more affecting, and is one of the reasons yep. that I like having read the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. Also, Bilbo was just so good in this chapter. <laughs> I'm as like immediate so defense of Aragorn, like, man, I want to see him become king. It'd be so good. Aw. I want that bro story. Yeah. Give it to us, Amazon. <laughs> well, let's not even get into that right now. This is already a long enough episode. Um, Emmy, did you have anything? We talked about one of mine earlier, which is when Aragorn is talking about Gollum. Um so no. No, because it's, I mean, we talked, it's, was the Gollum sass and Bilbo, basically. Yeah, that's, that's some good stuff. Everybody likes some good Gollum sass. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think of something deep and enlightening to say, but I've run out of words. Well, I think, I think we were talking about it before we record, but it's interesting that this is a chapter 
in which literally nothing happens. All they do is sit around and talk about stuff, a lot of which we have gone over elsewhere. (laughs) But still, you get so much good character moments and good good little one-liners and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's setting the tone for them as a group on a quest. Like, when I was writing up the summary, I wish I could have skipped over more than I did, but I couldn't because there was just good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a boring chapter, or like it had the potential to be a really boring chapter, but somehow it's not. It should have been more boring than it was. Yeah. So cheers to that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else? Nope. Okay, great. Uh, so I don't think so, I no. I think that's about it. What? Oh, the what was I going to say? The TV show finally has a Twitter account. That's the only Lord of the Rings thing that has happened. Well, it's released the whole map thing, but well, let's discuss that next week or on a week with a smaller chapter. Sure. Because mm. it's not like it's like we're not going to suddenly get all the information and not be able to discuss it. We've got so much time. So I guess that is it for this week. And next week's homework is... Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2, Chapter 3, The Ring Goes South. I think. I just pulled that out of my ass. I'm not looking at the book. That is, in fact, it. Wonderful. Um, If you wish to contact us, you may do so. We have an email, wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com, and a Twitter, at toreadtolkien. Feel free to give us a review on the iTunes or podcast listening platform of your choice. We will see you all next week. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I've been Emmy. Bye-bye. Uh, Also, a messenger had come to Erebor about a year ago. (laughs) 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 Gorf. Gorf, gorf, gorf. We're not even that far in. <laughs> Three paragraphs. Okay. Happy Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, now I have the giggles. Okay. Mm. A messenger had come to Aragorn. <laughs> fuck, fuck. Trolls on a tantrum cause terrible troubles. The most aggressive <laughs> bye-bye of all time. I'm going like, to cut out so much of my fuck-ups so that they're not going to know why.